Nehemiah chapter 3. If you make your way there, I want to try and fill in the gaps between where we ended last week and where we're going to begin um, today in Nehemiah chapter 3. As we learned last week, Nehemiah, after finding out how terrible the condition was in Jerusalem, spent four months praying, basically from whatever the months were, what March to December uh, would be equal to our, on our calendar. And one of the things that he prayed for, and, and he prayed specifically for it in his prayers, that God would move on the heart of the king, who was King Artaxerxes at that time, and that God would, would do something special in the king's heart. And when the opportunity arose for Nehemiah to approach him, that he would act favorably upon Nehemiah and his request and let him go to Jerusalem. And God heard his prayer, and God answered his prayer very specifically. And so Nehemiah made that three-month journey from Shushan to Jerusalem. And once he got there, Everything that he had been told about the deplorable condition of Jerusalem was confirmed. The, 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 the city had been destroyed, the walls had been broken down, the gates had been burned. It was, it was just a mess. But with great resolve, Nehemiah spoke to the people in chapter 2 and verse 17. And he said this. He said, you see the distress that we're in. How Jerusalem lieth waste. And the gates thereof are burned with fire. And then he issues this invitation, this challenge. He said, come, let us Build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. And here was their response. Let us rise up and build. And the verse goes on to say, so they strengthened their hands for this great work. So that brings us to the 32 verses of Nehemiah chapter 3. And I'll be honest with you, to the casual reader, I mean, Nehemiah chapter 3 appears to be nothing more than a list of names of who did what and when they did it and how they did it and where they did it around the wall. So why, why should I give this any more than a cursory reading and, and get on with the story of the building of the wall? And, and Honestly, some people perhaps would just skip over Nehemiah chapter 3. But we're not going to do that today because we would miss out, 
I believe, and hopefully you will see at the end of the message, that we would be missing some valuable truth that teaches us, among everything, among other things, this very important truth. No one can do everything, but everyone can do something. No one can do everything, but everyone can do something. Here in our text, we find a great testament to teamwork. As the people of God, under the leadership of Nehemiah, built two miles of wall. Now, this wasn't like picket fence stuff, okay? This was two miles of wall that was anywhere from 15 to 20 feet high and anywhere from four excuse me, three to four feet thick, and they did it in an astonishing 52 days. Now, obviously, God has not called us, he's not saved us and called us to build a wall. But church, here's my point to you this morning. He has saved us, and he has brought us together to build a local church for his honor and for his glory. And there are some important principles taught from this chapter that I believe we can apply to our situation right here at Fellowship Baptist Church. And here's the first one if you're taking notes. Any work done for the Lord is a good work. In response to Nehemiah's call to to build the wall, The Bible says, so they strengthened their hands for this, look at it, good work. I want to take a moment and and break down the, uh, break into two parts um, that that thought of of a good work. And, And the first thought is this, the good work in Nehemiah's day involved some extremely hard manual labor. I mean, you think about that. They were hauling huge pieces of of stone, and they were hoisting those huge pieces of stone into place, and they were mixing mortar to uh, cement those rocks in place. They were cutting timber, and they were making beams, and they were making doors and gates and bars. I mean, we're talking about some major construction work here and they looked at it and they said this is a good work now there was a time when the good work here at fellowship baptist involved much manual labor in the 70,000 square feet that we call home there were many many hundreds, literally hundreds of hours where the people of this church came together and hung sheetrock and painted and cleaned and drilled and hammered and cut and swept and almost fired the pastor. Whose idea was this? 
I see Brother Dave back here. This platform right here. This was Brother Dave's project. And he did it right. He did it well. I pointed out Wednesday night, Brother John Knutson, every inch of, of woodwork that you see in this building was the product of one of our deacons, Brother John Knutson and, and Brother Joel Knutson, the one who sang this morning, his nephew. They worked together. They made this woodwork happen. So there was a time when the good work in Fellowship Baptist Church was good old, our Spanish brother, Manuel Labor. But thankfully, those days are behind us. Amen. But listen, we're still doing a good work of a different kind. For some, that good work is preaching and teaching. For others, that good work is, is singing and playing. And unfortunately, a lot of times in churches, they're the ones who get the spotlight. They're the ones who get the focus. They're the ones who get the attention and the applause and, and, and the attaboys. But I am so thankful this morning that there are hundreds of other people right now in this building doing a good work. I think of one of the, I think of the three nurseries that we have. We employ um, over 100 people, well over 100, probably close to 150 people a month serve in the nurseries of Fellowship Baptist Church. That's a good work. Our Kids Blast ministry, that's for uh, children 6th grade and under. We've got them on this side upstairs. We've got them on that side upstairs. And, and we've got them surrounded and corralled by adults. Thank God. That's a good work. The bus ministry, I was reached, I was saved at this church through the bus ministry. That's a good work. People that drive and, and, and work, you will be home with your eyes closed and your feet kicked up by the time some of those people get off the bus today. That's a good work. Our greeters ministry, our first touch ministry, greeters and, and our parking lot folks, if you were greeted today as you came on the property of Fellowship Baptist Church, that's a good work. Our team ministry, T-E-A-M, trimming, edging, and mowing ministry, that's a good work. Cleaning, that's a good work. And let me just say it again, no one can do everything, but everyone can do something. So as a member of Fellowship Baptist Church, what good work are you doing? And another important question is this, are you doing it for the Lord? Any work done for the Lord is a good work. Paul reminds us of that in the book of Colossians. I love this. And whatsoever ye do, doesn't matter. Whatever you do, he said, do it heartily. As to who, church? The Lord. And not unto men. Knowing 
that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward, the inheritance, the reward of the inheritance. For ye serve not the pastor, not the staff, for ye serve the Lord Christ. So here's what we take away from Paul's words to the Colossians. Whatever we do in the work of the Lord, number one, deserves our best effort. And number two, it's, it's to be done to bring honor and glory to the Lord and not ourselves. On another occasion, Paul wrote these words to a, a group of believers in the church that was in Corinth. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Church, listen today. Ministry is not supposed to be about us. It's supposed to be about Jesus. And one way to know whether we're making ministry about him or about ourselves is how we react when others make what we do about him and not about us. Let me say that again. One way to know whether or not we're doing ministry for him or whether we're doing it for our own honor and glory is how we react when somebody sees what we do and they give God the glory and not us. Our response tells us right away whether we were doing it with the right heart or not. It's, it's kind of like the, the Hollywood stunt doubles. Their names never appear in lights. I mean, you never see their faces on, on, on uh, magazines and the magazine racks at wherever. When's the last time that, that, that Fox News came in with breaking news that a stunt double just got married? Or a stunt double's wife just had a, a child? You with me? You don't hear about those things any more than you hear about the lighting people or, or the stage manager or those who work in gaffing or sound or special effects or painting or props. That's because it's not about them. It's about the star. Hundreds of people work tirelessly behind the scenes. Why? So the star will look good. So the star will shine. And they all understand that their work is going to be underappreciated, that for the most part it's going to go unnoticed by those who are watching the show, unless you're one of those crazy people who sit there and watch the credits as they roll through. But they do it anyway. Why? Because they love being part of a creation process. Listen, there's something magical about creating something collectively larger than ourselves. And that's what this ministry is about. It's about us working collectively to create something that is so much bigger than any of us. And that's how we ought to feel when it comes to ministry in the local church. Our service should not hinge on whether or not we're seen or recognized 
or applauded or even appreciated. What ought to motivate us is that Jesus is at the center of it all. The reason you can sit here and enjoy a service like this one is because there are many, many people all around this building and outside of this building serving, not for themselves, but for Jesus. So the first lesson we take away from the building project in Nehemiah chapter 3 is that any work done for the Lord is a good work. And here's the second. Everybody is somebody in the body. Say that with me. Everybody is somebody in the body. There are some 70 individual names given in this chapter. And they all played a part in the building of the wall. I'm just going to point out a a few things about that this morning. If you have your Bible, look at verse 1. This really stood out to me right at the beginning of my reading and studying of Nehemiah chapter 3. Because the first verse said this, Then Elishib, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priests, and they builded the sheep gate. They sanctified it, set up the doors of it. Even under the tower of Mia, they sanctified it under the tower of Hananiah. Now I looked at that and my mind immediately equated the high priest and his brothers, the priests, with the pastors and the ministry staff. That would be myself, Pastor Tyler, Brother Sid Prater, Brother Tanner Walton, Brother Mike Collins. And here's the thing that we, that, that we should take away from this, guys. We should not expect any of these people to do anything that we ourselves are not willing to do. As a pastor, as a ministry staff person, we should not expect you to do anything that we ourselves are not willing to do. And I trust that we have been good leaders in that respect. But I like what Pastor Ray Steadman said when he said this. Once, people thought that only the pastor and the hired staff were to do the work of evangelizing, teaching, counseling, healing the hurts of others, and serving the needy. Because we have followed that practice far too long, the church is in trouble. The ministry, listen, the ministry belongs to the whole congregation. We are blessed to have a church family that, for the most part, understands that very principle. This is our church. This is God's work. It's God's church. And it's our responsibility to minister to needs and to help others. It's not just the pastor's responsibility. It's not just the ministry staff's responsibility. We were to take the time to read each of the names recorded in this chapter and and point out who they were. Here's 
here's something that we would find. They were a, such a diverse group of people. And I thought about this, thought about that this week, how that, that this church, I can't speak for other churches, but how this church has such a diversified group of believers who partner together every week to make things happen in the work of the Lord. Obviously, we have married people, and we have single people, and we have people who are single again. We have in my notes, I put old, I'll just say more mature. We have more mature people. We have young people. Listen, I, I am blessed every week when I see our teenagers working the bus routes and, and working in children's church. It's a blessing. We have old people, young people. We have middle-aged people like me. Come on, if I live to be 120, I am right in the middle right now. So you laugh all you want to. We have truck drivers, we have law enforcement people, we have firemen, we have people in, in emergency medical field, we have nurses and, and various other medical personnel, we have school district employees, some of them are teachers, others are administration, some are office staff, some are IT people, some are maintenance, we have carpenters and financial planners, those who are in baking, those who are in oil and gas, we have farmers and ranchers and folks who work in other areas of of, of agriculture, we have secretaries and bus drivers and managers and postal workers and coaches and utility employees and salespeople and city employees and county employees and mechanics and child care providers and counselors and business owners and retirees and we all get it done. It's no wonder Paul described the church as a body. And the church members as various parts of that body. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he said this, For the body is not one member. Talking about the physical body. He's making a, uh, and he's doing a demonstration, an example here. The body's not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, Well, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body, the church body, as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, all pastors, all teachers, all singers, all bus drivers, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet one body. There's so much that, that could be taught here. I just want to touch on a couple of things real quick first. 
It takes all the members of the body working together to make things happen. As I stand here this morning, there are a number of parts of my body that are working all at the same time. My, 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 my mind, my eyes, my mouth, my tongue, my hands, my heart, my lungs, my, my legs, my feet. And, and as long as everything functions together, it's all good. But there have been a time, there have been a couple of times in, in the years that my mind has not communicated with my mouth. And that's always embarrassing. I remember the first time I preached at Jenny Lee's dad's church in Lubbock, Bethany Baptist Church in Lubbock. I was sitting on the front, in the, on the front chair, gave me this rousing introduction and Man, I got up out of the chair, and I started bounding up the steps, and I tripped. <laughs> the members of the body did not work together like they were supposed to, and it was embarrassing. All throughout, go home and read it this afternoon, all throughout Nehemiah 3, you'll find phrases like, and next unto him, next to him, after him, and so on and so forth, side by side. Shoulder to shoulder, these feeble Jews, as their enemies referred to them, worked in concert one with another to accomplish something great for the Lord. How did that happen? It happened because they understood that no one can do everything, but everyone can do something. Not everyone around the wall, again, go home and read it. Not everyone around the wall did the same thing. Some were gifted to do one thing, others were gifted to do something else. Which illustrates another truth that, that Paul points out in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 with regard to what he calls gifts. Here's what he said, I'll go back and explain it. He said, now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Now here's what I believe the Bible teaches. That every, every saved person has at least one spiritual gift that they are to use in the work of the Lord. And just so we're on the same page, here's what I mean by spiritual gifts. A special ability, skill, or capacity given by the Holy Spirit at salvation, which enables the recipient to perform a meaningful function in the church with ease and effectiveness. I wish I had time to fully develop this, but I don't. But here, here's, here's what all of this means. It means that everybody is somebody in the body. So let me say this this morning. If it has pleased God to place you in this church body as a member, it's because you have something to offer as far as ministry is concerned 
that will help us collectively fulfill God's purpose for Fellowship Baptist Church. And if you're wondering, well, Pastor, how do I know what that gift is? Let me just give you five things to consider real quick and we'll move on. Five, five things. Number one, ease. What is easier for you than for others? Well, preacher, I could never teach. Cool. Not a problem. But there are some who have been gifted to do that, and it's easy for them. Enjoyment. What do you like doing? What puts a smile on your face? What gives you the greatest satisfaction? Is it seeing someone come through the door with that, that look of trepidation on their face and you just extending your hand and smiling and saying, man, we're glad you're here today. And all of a sudden their face turns up. Maybe, maybe you love at the end of Friday night or Saturday afternoon, you love stepping back and seeing your work as you mowed the grass and you edged and you trimmed and it's like, yeah, I like that. But there's going to be something that brings you joy. What is it? Excitement. What is it that you're passionate about? Listen, there are, there are some folks who are passionate about mowing the grass. I love it. It's a blessing. Here, here's, the, here's the other. Experience. What has God given you the opportunity to do? Listen, just because you do something out there doesn't mean you can't do that same thing in some form or fashion in here. And then effectiveness, what are you doing that has the marks of God's blessing on it? Now, you, you, you write those down. If you need me to give them to you after church, I will. But I want you to think about that. Now, before I move on, I want to... I'm going to be a Debbie down here, but I want to point this out. Verse 5 of Nehemiah chapter 3 says this, And next unto them the Tekoites repaired, but their nobles put not their necks to the work of their Lord. This is the only verse in Nehemiah 3 that points out those who did not work. Everything else that they did this, they repaired this, they fixed that, they built that. This is the only verse where God led Nehemiah to point out that somebody didn't do something. So let me ask you this. If you're not serving in a ministry, why is that? See, God not only pays attention to those who do things, but obviously he pays a little bit of attention to those who do nothing. If it's because you're not sure where you fit in, then talk to Pastor Tyler, talk to Brother Mike Collins, talk to myself. Let us help you. We'd love to help you. Any work done for the Lord is a good work. Amen. Everybody is somebody in the body. Amen. And then this real quick. Service is only possible because of Jesus. An interesting study beyond um, what we've considered today is a study of the ten gates that are mentioned in the wall of Jerusalem. 
There's the dung gate and the fish gate and the water gate. But there's one, one particular uh, gate that I think is, is of special significance. It's the sheep gate. If, you, if you'll study Nehemiah chapter 3, you'll see there at the beginning, verse 1, I believe it is, that's where they started the work. They started building at the sheep gate, and if you'll go to the last verse of Nehemiah chapter 3, I believe it is, you'll see that they finished at the sheep gate. Now, the sheep gate was the, the gate to which people would, would bring their animals, primarily their, their sheep and their lambs, that were to be offered as sacrifices in the temple. Again, I don't have time to get into all of that, just to say the sheep gate is representative and, and speaks so clearly of Jesus Christ, who is the Lamb of God. And as the Lamb of God, Jesus died for our sins. Here's what Matthew wrote in Matthew chapter 20. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. And to give his life a ransom for many. Church, listen, the reason we have the great opportunity to serve the Lord in the local church is because of what Jesus has done for us. His death makes it possible for us to be saved and to serve him in a way that will make an eternal difference. Now I haven't talked a lot to this point about Nehemiah's life as a, a servant to King Artaxerxes, uh, but it was, a, it was a pretty sweet gig. He was the, the king's cupbearer, which does mean he was, a, he was a, a butler, he was a servant, <laughs> but he's a servant who got to live in the palace. Not bad. But he gave all of that up to serve the Lord in Jerusalem. Gave it all up to go to a place where he didn't have a place to live at all. By the same token, in heaven, Jesus enjoyed the best of everything. But he gave it all up to become a servant. So as we wrap it up this morning, let me ask you this. What are you willing to give up to serve the Lord? What part are you in this local body of Christ? Where do, you, where do you fit in? Where can you best serve? If you're not sure, we would love to help you discover that. And as you saw, there are a lot of options. And you may have an option that wasn't on there that you've thought of. Say, hey, preacher, I could do this. Bring it to us. Bring it. Let's talk about it. 
And then perhaps you're not a part of this local church body, but you know you should be. And you've been discussing that and talking about that, and, and, and I don't know what the holdup is. Well, let's, let's take care of that so we can get you plugged in. Amen? Let's pray.